Phoenix Audio presents. When Money is King by Richard Hack. Prologue. Sun Valley, Idaho, 1996. Ronald Perlman owned or controlled over 20 companies, including cosmetics giant Revlon. Forbes magazine last estimated his worth at nearly $4 billion, and that figure was generally conceded as conservative. Without a doubt, one of the top five richest men in the United States, he was a few billion behind Microsoft Corporation's Bill Gates and financier Warren Buffett. Ask Perlman about his worth, and he would be the first to plead ignorance. It wasn't about the money in any case. For Ronald Perlman, it was about being a successful businessman. He thought of himself as a builder of companies, and he had come to Sun Valley to be among his own kind. More than a dozen years had passed since investment banker Herbert A. Allen began assembling some business friends for what he liked to call a little outing. It was designed as a family affair where corporate executives, their spouses, and children could play in the clean Idaho air. Allen and Company had turned the function into a week-long summit where business leaders could share their thoughts about the future of their companies and the nation's economy. It was a hush-hush affair where the press were not invited and publicity of any kind was shunned. Given the guest list, there was little doubt why. In addition to Gates and Buffett, Allen's guests included Alex J. Madel, the president of AT&T Corporation, Steve Case, the chairman of America Online, M. Douglas Ivester, president of Coca-Cola Company, and John Malone of Telecommunications. There was Edgar Bromfman, Jr., president of Seagram & Sons, which recently bought MCA Universal, and Viacom Sumner Redstone, whose company had won a bidding contest for Paramount Studios. A veritable who's who of Hollywood was assembled here as well, from Disney heads Michael Eisner and Michael Ovitz to MCA's Frank Biondi and DreamWorks chiefs David Geffen and Jeffrey Katzenberg. Silver King Communications' Barry Diller, movie producer Ray Stark, Warner Brothers chairman Terry Semmel, plus News Corporation's chairman Rupert Murdoch. And Ronald Perlman, whose own entertainment credentials hinged on his controlling interest in New World Communications, a group of television stations with production and syndication divisions. Now in the unlikely setting of Sun Valley, Idaho, Perlman and Murdoch met. There weren't lawyers, advisors, and analysts struggling to be heard. Just two billionaires meeting over an early dinner so both could be in bed by 10 p.m. Perlman said he would listen. Murdoch said he would call. Three days later, Rupert Murdoch made an offer. Ronald Perlman gave him an answer. The resulting fallout would alter the face of broadcasting across America, affecting millions of viewers as well as thousands of employees. When the final deal was made public, it amazed many. Yet to Perlman, it was business as usual. Ronald Perlman's entire life had been orchestrated in the privacy of boardrooms and executive suites. From childhood onward, he had learned to demand respect through accomplishment. Brilliant in business, energetic and enthusiastic, his sport of choice was the making of money and the running of corporations, and he excelled to the point that he had little competition among his fellow businessmen. While many financiers leapt to share in the bonanza that was sired by junk bond mania in the 1980s, less than a handful emerged with profit intact, when, a decade later, government intervention brought a crashing end to that form of leveraged buyout. Ronald Perlman stood virtually alone as an insider with money, power, and desire to attack, conquer, and devour any publicly held company which showed vulnerability.
Perlman knew the rules of the corporate jungle better than anyone. Survival of the fittest was the way to maintain prosperity, the way Perlman had learned to fight before he'd become a favorite of Wall Street, even before he'd moved to Manhattan. It was the way of business in a world where power and deals and money became his family, his heritage, his life.